The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. This past summer, my family and I had the wonderful opportunity to go on vacation together to a place called Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And uh, we enjoyed our time there. While we were at Pagosa Springs, we decided to implement some hiking uh, into our vacation. We went um, to a place called Chimney Rock, Colorado. And back when President Obama was president, he actually made this a national park. And so we went there to uh, Chimney Rock. We began to hike. It wasn't an aggressive hike, but there were some spots on the journey where literally right off the side of the trail was an immediate drop off. There was one section uh, on that hike in which uh, one of the, the, the local, I guess you'd call park uh, helpers was there to make sure we managed different families didn't cross at the same time and somebody bumped somebody off the ledge. And, and I, I remember our kids as they were hiking, they loved doing that. Uh, they were jumping and moving around and, and clearly watching their step, their path in the trail. And as we got toward the top, mom said this, and I thought it was amazing. She said, don't stare at the trail so much that you miss the view. And I remember stopping on the trail and I thought, did you just make that up or did you read that in a book? And she's like, like, I, I, I don't remember reading that, but I'm serious. Look, and all of us kind of pause for a minute and we, we noticed that this particular hike that we were on was on this small hill in the midst of this amazing massive valley full of awesome views and and for just a moment it was quite breathtaking I believe if we're not careful we'll find ourselves in our life doing the same thing we get so focused on every single step that we have to make that sometimes we miss the big view that God has for our lives You serve an amazing God who is doing already and is still will continue to do amazing things in your life. And I think it would be wise of us to pause for just a moment before we head into this day and just look at the big plan. And and, and I want to ask this question. Oftentimes we try to squeeze God into our plans and that's good. It it would be wise of us to spend some time with God, to walk with God. I hope that you did not start this day without first seeking his face. God, I need you. I cannot do this. I am broken, and there's no way I can face this moment. Pastor McCormick told me last evening that even though I have a 4.0 GPA, I'm not going to get every question right. Oh, God, please help me, right? And hopefully you did that. Hopefully you implemented a time today where you listened to him through his word. But have you paused to recognize that maybe it's not as much as you fitting God into your schedule, your plan, making him work as much as God is fitting you into his plan? 
Matter of fact, the Bible puts it this way. You don't have to turn there. James chapter 4, go to now and ye say that today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and we will continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then what? Vanisheth away, the Bible says. For that ye ought to say is, ready, if the Lord will. We shall live and and do this or that, but now ye rejoice in your boasting, and all such rejoicing is evil. What the Word of God is just simply saying this, we serve a big God who has a big plan, and you think that you're going to go to classes today, and your mealtime has been scheduled, and the uh, time for recreation has been planned, or at least you hope so, but what you ought to say is this, I really honestly can't tell you what's going to happen today, but I do know this, I want to be in the center of the will of God. And I want God to do an amazing thing in my life. He is working in me. He is doing things in me. And he has been doing that for a long time. How many of you here are introverts? Even asking that question, you're already like panicking. You're just like, you're just messed up already. Raise your hand. Are you ready? You're you're introverts. Um, You're okay just to crawl in a cave and stay. You don't necessarily have to talk to anybody. This moment right here, this new person beside you has already got you all out of whack this morning. You're you're, you're an introvert. How many of you are sitting beside an extrovert? Raise your hand. All right. They have already started talking to you. They're just jibber-jabbering all morning long. I mean, you just want to be quiet and get ready for the day, and they will not stop talking. How many of you are beside that person right now? Raise your hand. Be honest. Introverts, extroverts. People who are great in school, it comes naturally. People are not that great in school. People who are naturally athletic and buff, not like I, but you know, you, you know who you are, and, and people who are not, people who can do this or that. You know, God has given us talents, and, and he is doing a work in us, and he has been for a very long time, and it would be wise of us just to pause and to think about that. Matter of fact, can I illustrate it this way? If you think about some of the Bible characters, Daniel... Daniel was a man who obviously had great intellect. God used him in an amazing way. Before Daniel actually served King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Bible says he was pulled out because of the skills that he had and the talents that he has. Because of his sharpness and the way that he looked, he was chosen to be used in this new kingdom under these difficult situations of captivity. And God used Daniel in an amazing way. David, King David, the Bible says he was ruddy. Um, he wasn't as tall and ha- handsome maybe as his brother Eliab, but, but, but David was at least somewhat athletic. He's, he's the shepherd boy. He's, he's the one that rent the mouth of a, of a lion and a bear. And, and I can imagine the skill of David as he's trying to hone in um, his weaponry. He, he, he's out in the field, and, and the sheep are all taken care of for a moment, and so he pulls the sling out of his, his waistline, and he picks up a rock, and there's a stump off in the distance, and he, he lines it up, and he twirls it around his head, and he just nicks the stump. He's not satisfied with that, so he pulls another stone out, and he puts it into the sling, and he whirls it around his head, and now he's starting to hit the stump consistently. And then he keeps up the skill for a moment, keeping his eye on the sheep, but but he wants to make sure, he wants to make sure he's got this down. And he just loves this. And now he's got a grouping. If you're a shooter, you know exactly what I just said. He has a grouping now. And he's, he's placing rocks within a little spot. God was 
using David in an amazing way that David had no idea that in the future the Lord would use that gift. I think about the woman Esther. The Bible says that Esther's parents were gone and she was being raised in a difficult situation by her uncle. And the king of the land um, had some marital problems and now he's in the hunt for a new wife. And the Bible says this, that Esther was absolutely gorgeous. She was a beautiful woman, so much so when they picked all the beautiful women of the land and put them in a lineup, and the king is walking and going, not you, I don't like that, I I don't prefer that, not you, oh, you're the one. And God took that beauty that he placed in her, I'm serious about this, and he used that to continue the promise of Israel and the safety and protection of God's people. You don't know what God's doing in your life. We think about Ruth, and a lot of times when we think about her, we think she was gorgeous. But you know what the Bible never says she was? The Bible says when she caught Boaz's eye, the reason she caught his eye, because she was of a different nationality, of a different culture. See, her husband had died. And now she's living with her mother-in-law in a land that's not hers And later on, the Bible says in the book of Ruth that um, Boaz loved her because of her devotion to her mother-in-law. You may be athletically talented and can take a weapon and hit a mark. You may be intellectually smart and God can use you in circumstances that are amazing. You may be beautiful and God will take that beauty and use it for his honor and for its glory. You may go through difficult family situations that God is working, but all of us can look back and say, it's amazing to me that God has all of this under control. We are part of his plan. We're not fitting him into ours. He's orchestrating us into his. I'll never forget as I stood in the dinner line on my first Sunday night on campus. It was 1993, I was a freshman. In front of me in the dinner line after service that Sunday evening, there was a redheaded girl. Thought she was kind of cute. I looked to my roommate, his name was Brian. I said, Brian, do you know who that is? And he said, yes, actually I do. She's a friend. I said, what's her name? He said, her name is Robin. I said, what's her major? She's a nursing major. This is her junior year. I said, where is she from? She's from Greenwood, South Carolina. I said, wait right here. I walked up to her and I said, hey, excuse me, Robin, right? She's like, yeah. I said, hey, my name is Spence Williams. and, um, And I met you in the registration line. Remember? She's like, no, I didn't meet you in the registration line. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did. You're from South Carolina. Greenwood, right? She said, yeah, I, I am. And I said, you're a nurse. Uh, uh, you, you're studying to be a nurse. You're, you're a junior here, uh, correct? She said, yeah, absolutely, I am. I said, yeah, yeah, I met you in the registration line. My wife is brilliant. She said, so when did you get here? And that's when all of a sudden I realized I was probably going to get caught. 
I said, I got here and I mentioned the day. She said, see, we could not have met. I got here early. I'm on the, at the time I was, she was a part of the Pan-Atlantic program in which they came in and, and kind of helped serve and make sure the freshmen were taken care of, et cetera. And she said, so I've been here way before you ever arrived. And I had my registration done before you did. And so we could not have met. And I said, you're right. I've been lying to you. Would you eat with me? That is literally the way it happened. I, I'm telling you word for word. Guys, don't do that. Because now we've been married for 26 years and she still says, are you telling me the truth, Spence? She is an introvert. I, I am the extrovert. And it's amazing how God's taken two completely different people and in his plan have meshed them together beautifully for his honor and for his glory. I didn't need to force that. He's a great God. And he is working in you, young person. You're not here by accident. You say, well, I'm definitely not here on purpose. I was made to go here. I was forced to be here. There is no other option. Well, let's think about that. Um, I think it was God that put you in that family with those parents that desired for this to be your place. Well, I'm only here because I can't afford anything else. Okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm good with that. Well, maybe it's God that has been working to get you to this moment, in this place, in this economy. See, see, see we're so quick to sometimes think that what we're going through is just some awkward, out-of-place difficulty when the truth be known Young person, you serve a God who is sovereign and great and mighty and awesome. And he loves you and he has designed you with your personality, talent, skills, and is working in your life. He has placed you where he wants you. You are a part of the amazing plan of God. And the Bible says God works all things together for good to them that love him, to them that are called according to his purpose. And he can take your bad decisions and your bad moments and he can make them amazing if you'll put your faith and rest and trust in him. Would you open your Bible with me, please, to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This, this is just a beautiful passage and I would like for us to briefly break it down and hopefully be an encouragement to you as you continue to walk this journey. Philippians chapter 2, in this passage, just to give you a little background information, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he has come to the understanding that the Philippian church is struggling um, with the fact that he is in jail. And so Paul writes this letter, and in chapter 1, what he is saying is this, um, you don't need to worry about me. Because I have been arrested and because I am in jail, the gospel has been given to the jailers and to the entire house of Rome. And I think that's an amazing testimony that no matter what happens in our lives, God is working. And there was some bickering going on between some of the groups within uh, the church at Philippi here. There were some people saying that he was dealing with this because he wasn't uh, real and authentic. And, and yet uh, others were confused and evading that. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church to encourage them that in any circumstance, it's all about the gospel. In any circumstance, we can have joy. We serve a big God. And so when this happens, remember chapter 2, 
have this mind which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath what? Highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name. And following that thought, we have this passage here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13. The Word of God says this, For it is God, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let's break this passage down for just a moment so we can kind of get a quick view of the plan of God and what God maybe has in store for your life as well. First of all, we see this phrase, for it is, can you say it with me? For it is, let, let, let's say it again, ready? For it is, for it is God, it, it all starts with Him, it all begins with Him, not just in the fact of your creation, when the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. God has made you, designed you just the way He wanted you. You're not an accident. You say, but I've heard that I was. No, you may have been an oops. You, you may have been unplanned. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a single soul, no matter how it happened, that is an accident because God is the giver of life. For it is God. And you must recognize the beauty and the power that rests inside of that, the confidence that you are designed and created and everything that happens in your life, everything that, that you've been given is of God. Number two, which worketh. I love this word. The Greek word is the word henergio. And I know that'll sound familiar. It's, it's the word where we get our word energy. And so if we can, let's kind of uh, think this passage this way. For it is God which is the energy. It is God which is the energio. It is God which worketh. God is doing a work in you. And this is the promise of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, matter of fact, says this. For we are His workmanship. And this is an amazing word. Created. Did you know that's the only time we see this word in its context and definition, the word created outside of Genesis chapter number one? For it is God that, that is working, created, the Bible says, unto good works. Young person, please, when you give your life to Christ, recognize that God is actively working in you. He has not paused. He is not asleep. Even Job said this, and I love this passage. I didn't see you in front of me, and I couldn't find you behind me. I looked to my left, and you weren't there. I looked to my right, and you were not to be found. But I know this. Although I can't see you, you know the way that I take. And when it's all finished, he says, paraphrasing, I know I'll come forth as gold. What a promise. What a truth. It is God, the Bible says, which worketh, for we are his workmanship. Number three, in you. College student, you have his attention. You've always had his attention. I love what the Bible says. David says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there thou art with me. Thy right hand, it holds me. That passage is beautiful. It's a Hebrew thought for the sunrise. Just the other morning, I made my way out to Bay Bridge, and as the sun came up, all of a sudden, the beams of light shot across the horizon, the wings of the morning. If I take those wings and I run, even there God knows me. He is actively working, and He um, is giving you His attention. You are His creation. Look at the next phrase, both to will and to do for His good purpose for his good pleasure. It is God that is working for his plan, for his pleasure to fulfill his desire. This is what God wants to do in your life. And this is amazing to me, that that God would actually give me attention and to know that I bring pleasure to the God of the universe. For without faith, it is what? Would you say it with me? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is God telling us in closing? Look at the remainder of this passage. Here's your plan. God's plan, we just saw it. Here's your plan. God says this, therefore do all things without murmurings and and disputings. Be satisfied. Be satisfied in the moment. Be satisfied in the moment that God has given you. Do everything without ready, murmuring and disputings. Okay, God, this is where you've got me. This is where you've placed me. So, Lord, I am yours. I'm going to trust in your energy to do through me what I cannot do for myself. And he will. This is the promise of God. Secondly, he says here, I want you to shine, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You want to know the difference on campus over the next couple of weeks and months? And you'll see it. The difference is not the circumstance. Remember Sunday night? It's not the burner. The difference is not the what's in the wallet or who's in the relationship or the friends that we do or do not have or the room that we can or cannot have. That's, that's not the difference. The difference maker over the next couple of months between some and others will be this. Those who do all things in the moment, surrendered to God, trusting God in the situation that God's given them without murmuring and disputing. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to be a light. And the majority are going to go, they're weird. They're the goody two-shoes of the campus. And maybe not. Maybe they're just the ones that say this. Okay, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. And I'm satisfied with it. And then lastly, the Bible says this. They share the truth. Holding forth the word of life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So my encouragement to you today, college student, just trust him. He is the energy. He's got this. He's always had it. He's never faltered or failed. He's made you exactly the way he wants you. He has a design and purpose for your life. So go. Do it. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.